0: Welcome to another episode of Like a Street Photography I'm Ricky and today's guest is Marcus Valderrama So thank you once again for taking the time and being a guest of the show Myself and the fans, maybe I said that backwards, but it doesn't matter Uh, We are happy you're here and able to give us something to listen to So please introduce yourself, where you're from, where you live, what you do, where you've been Anything you'd like us to know Yeah. Thanks
1: for having me on the show. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, my name is Marcus Valderrama. Like you said, I am a street photographer based in San Francisco for the most part. Um, I actually, fun fact, I shared the same birthday as Lee Friedlander for all you photography nerds out there. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm just happy to be on the show. I, I've been living in San Francisco for like 12 years now. Before that, I, would, I grew up in San Jose, which is like an hour south of here. Uh, and so mostly been based in the Bay Area, except for like the last couple of years. I've been on Oahu for a few stints for like several months at a time. That's actually where I met like Greg and Nehu and a couple of the other
0: street shooters from out there. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much me in the nutshell. Cool, cool. So... You mentioned Greg. Greg's a great guy. Nihu, uh, we're supposed to record sometime. It's got some some business lined up, but we'll get to it when we do. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. <clears throat> uh, curious, what you do beside photography?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean that's a great question. So I. I grew up playing sports my whole life. Like, I, I mean, I, I played basketball throughout Mm -hmm. up until like my senior year of high school. And, uh, I've always been into like sneakers because of basketball. And so sneakers and clothes and fashion, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of went into like the whole art world a little bit. So I got into like observing graffiti, which kind of introduced me to like photography, which, uh, I don't know, like, so that all that stuff. And then I met a girl from Hawaii who surfed. So then I got into surfing and then, uh, more recently I actually got really into like mental health practices. So really getting into meditation. So like, that's something that's really big for me is meditation. And I think that's also something that helps me with my photography. And I could go into that a bit more later, but, uh, yeah, meditation is big for me. I'm also big on like camping and being outside. I mean, being in California, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to go to the mountains or be on the coast. So I love doing that. Um, and then just like the usual stuff, like going to the gym, trying to be healthy nice. in this day and age, that sort of thing. So, but I also love traveling. Actually, I went to Japan a few years ago. Uh, I love Japan. Uh, Yeah, I guess I'm into quite an assortment of things, but more than I think, because my life is my life. I only have my gauge of what I think is normal, but I guess my normal is probably different from other people.
0: Oh, no worries. No doubt. Sounds like you're a very busy person. Uh, Very similar to me, actually, growing up. um, Not so much to sports. I was a homebody, but I liked being outside with my friends. Kind of weird, right? Um, I wasn't really, like I said, into sports, but... I was into um, artistic stuff. So graffiti at a young age was real big for me. Uh, Spoke about that a couple podcasts ago. And that was something that really consumed my life for many years before I got into um, graphic design, which I went to college and got a degree in. And I never use anymore, except for when I need to use Photoshop and design something for my business. But... I wouldn't say it's a wasted degree but it's I kind of waste and I'm still paying for those student loans. Um student uh, loans I hear are you, criminal like uh, yeah they suck. Um just let you know I, I've graduated from college in 2006 I'm still playing, paying my student loans. I got screwed over. It's a long story but I don't need to go into. Uh and yeah, <laughs> out of graphic design I joined the military and got into photography and I always sorry for a long story, but I'm just saying like, I've always sought like artistic directions outside. So yeah, that's great. Um, just curious. Cause you, you said you were going to Hawaii. Um, were you going there for just like photography purposes?
1: Oh man, I I wish. Uh, so, I mean, just because like, so my line of work, I work in tech in San Francisco Yeah, and, uh, my girlfriend, she like I should mention, she's from out there originally. So we were fortunate enough to like go out there during the pandemic. I mean, we we San Francisco is known for it's notorious for its high rent prices. Yeah, and uh, at the time we were living in a small one bedroom loft, and we were both working from home, so we were just packed like sardines in a can. You know, like yeah. we we're just we were both taking Zoom meetings like all day and like it, it just wasn't ideal. We just didn't have space to really stretch out. Um, and so we were, we just made a decision to go like be with her family. Yeah. Um, and so originally it was supposed to be like a five week trip. And then it ended up stretching for me three months for her four months. Um, and that's kind of how it all started. Um, which actually was really good for my photography because uh, and like I bought my first, like a, January of 2020 and I was shooting photography before then I was shooting street photography before then, but like, that was my first, Leica. I got the Leica M six. I bought it off a friend of mine for a really good deal. Um, and so like, I was only able to use the camera for a couple really only like a week before I realized I needed to send it to get repaired. Um, which was like a bummer and then i got the camera back like early march 2020 right when lockdown happened in the bay area Mm -hmm. um so once i finally got my camera back i couldn't shoot it at all and i was just pretty bummed out overall because of that yeah um so once we went to hawaii it just like opened up a whole world of opportunity just because uh, the cases were like so low there back then, especially on Oahu. And like they they had the quarantine for two weeks before you could go out and do anything. So that deterred tourists from coming out. Um, so, I mean, and also the fact that my girlfriend is from there, I got more of a local perspective of places to go, things to see. So I was able to go out and shoot a lot more than if I was to stay in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also where like coincidentally on that same trip I met Greg uh we ran into each other like both I guess dropping off film at the local lab out there um yeah so that was the first trip we went out there and then it was like really good just to stretch out we came back to San Francisco for a few months and then early 2021 we went back for another three months and then I was actually just out there last month for uh actually about seven weeks so the end of 2021 to about a week ago actually now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I have this weird relationship with the at this point because I'm obviously not from there, but I understand what's going on as far as people from all over the world wanting to move there and kind of pushing locals out. Uh, so I kind of have this weird like place in like my heart, in my mind about like staying there for extended periods of time. It's like, I want to make sure I'm pumping money into the economy. I'm shopping at local places. Uh, I just want to be conscious about like how I move out there just because I know the impact of tourism in a negative way that it has on Oahu and things like that. And I, I don't know if Greg or anybody else has talked about that, but I mean, for me being in the Bay area, Gentrification is huge Especially in San Francisco And like I feel like Once I moved to San Francisco I caught it At the tail end Of Like Pre-tech almost Like tech was definitely there It was lingering But it wasn't as heavy As it is in 2022 Yeah Um, And like even like We were talking about Graffiti earlier Like The graffiti scene In San Francisco Was Crazy Back in like The late 2000s To the early 2010s And that's really when i was documenting a lot of it like just taking a lot of photographs and Mm -hmm. it was all over the city you could see people tags you know throw ups burners whatever rooftop spots everything it was it was like a it was like a playground almost for like the graffiti scene and then once big money big tech came in the city had to clean up the city had to you know they wanted things to be pretty for all those people coming from like Wisconsin or whatever, all the other states that were coming in to chase the, the new, uh, you know, the new gold gold rush. rush. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, it just changed a lot, man. So yeah, I am sorry, I kind of went on a rant no, all over worries.
0: the place. This is what this show's notorious for is just the little rants that we get off on, uh, which makes this a lot fun, more fun, I should say. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of information. I was trying to decipher stuff to write down so we can talk about. I did write a couple things down. Um, seems like the pandemic affected you big time, but we'll get into that. Uh, again, that's one of the things I wrote down. Um, but I do want to start with when you started making photos so we can build off of that and into the questions. Okay. That. Yeah. So when did you start making photos and which genre did you begin with? Uh, most people was, um, landscapes little things like that so yep all right so this
1: is a little bit i don't know if it's embarrassing or not but i kind of had touched on the fact that like in high school i was into sports and got into fashion because of that and things like that so i was really big on the sneaker forms back in the day so like iss hypebeast uh sufu those sort of places and one of the big threads was your, you know, what did you wear today? Your, your fit pics basically. Um, and so I, I, that's pretty much, I guess, where taking photos started for me was wanting to get good fit pics. Uh, so I, I would just steal my, or not steal, but I would borrow my mom's little digital point and shoots and try to get my little fit pics off. Um, and then my friends, they all have like nice DSLRs, or I mean, in my mind, they were nice DSLRs. I don't know if they were or not, but they all had DSLRs, and I always envied them. Let's I'm just like, say oh man, Cannon I want Rebels. one of those, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, I was like, oh man, like, I want one. And so, you know, every Christmas or every birthday, I'd ask my parents, like, oh, can I get a, a Canon, can Rebel? I get a digital, yeah, Canon Rebel? And they're like, Oh no, like it's too expensive or whatever. And I remember just being on those forums and they also had threads strip like for photography and they uh, always like piqued my curiosity a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I never took like photography in high school or anything like that. Uh, I just always was interested in what the photos looked like. And even during that era, blogs were really huge. Like not even just like photography blogs, but just blogs in general, Uh, For like fashion or music and like, you know, you need pictures to go with the words on like really good blogs Mm -hmm. And so it inspired me to have my own blog kind of just to document my day-to-day And so I would take pictures of like what kind of clothes I picked up or what I was doing with my friends and things like that Um, And it kind of just grew from there to be honest like that's yeah where it all started uh, and then it grew. Once I went to college, I moved to San Francisco. Then it got into graffiti, like documenting the graffiti scene. Uh, and from there that actually introduced me to film photography. And I've been kind of riding with film ever since. So I've been kind of shooting film for about 10 years now, nice. uh, almost strictly, uh, which is kind of insane to say, especially now with like film prices, just kind of Ooh. going through the roof. Like yeah. it's, a uh, I like, yeah, I stocked up on a lot of film in December before Kodak raised the prices again. And it's at the point where I don't know if I'll continue to shoot film once I run out or if I'm going to end up buying like a digital M or something like that. Like, I always will love film, but it's like, does it fiscally make sense for me to continue to shoot it? I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of wealthy information in there and i will say you're the first person i spoke to uh it's interesting i've I've, everyone i heard and it's not embarrassing because you you say you're kind of embarrassed to mention it but you were actually into product photography and or fashion photography right oh and i do want to do i do want to just give the disclaimer there's nothing wrong with people having canon rebels that's just jokes um so uh, again if you have a canon rebel it's all good. I used to have one myself, so there, there we go. Got that out of the way. <laughs> that, that era was really big on the Canon Rebel. So, I mean, if you were there, you know. I, I'm not gonna lie. So, I actually enjoyed the little thing because it was it was small, it was compact, it was it was what it needed to be. Gave you ge- great image quality, but that's all it was. It was kind of like a toy camera, right? Again, nothing against people who have rebels. If you shoot with a rebel, I'm not insulting you, so don't take it that way. Uh, blogs. You mentioned blogs, so I want to say that. Uh, I've also went through my blog phase because I like writing, right? I like words. I like to learn. I hate reading. This is the ironic part. I hate reading, but I like to write. I don't know how that works. But I've had uh, multiple blogs. I have. I do have one currently that's focused on my street photography. And I started it back in, like, 2017, and it was something I did off and on, and then I dedicated a lot of time to it. And then I just stopped because I got into uh, podcasting, which I have been telling myself, like, hey, I need to get back into it because I'm trying to connect all of my platforms. So, like, my, my, my readers, my listeners, and my watchers, I'm trying to connect all three of them kind of with um, this same platform, so... Um, thanks for reminding me. I need to get back into that. Um, do you still, do you still create content for your blog? If so, we'll get into that and you can plug that later. Um, but yeah, do you, do you still write for it?
1: Uh, no, unfortunately, I don't. I mean, that's actually something I've been thinking about lately is experience writing down more. So like what my thoughts are behind certain photographs that I make and just different circumstances that have happened to me and, uh, things like that. I think it not even necessarily to like expand my, uh, my, whoever like follows me or anything like that, but more so just, so I remember these sort of things because I know like how I thought 10 years ago, once I used to just document graffiti Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I, dog, if I wrote down like what I was thinking back then, I would be curious to think, uh, to see what my thoughts were on that as opposed to like now, once I'm 10 years older and like, I still feel like I'm, I'm fairly young, but at the same time, like I know I'm not as young as I was 10 years ago once I was doing that. So, uh, it's just like a different mindset and I just want to see what I would think in 10 years about my thoughts today. Uh, if I would agree or disagree or like how my approach to photography will change or especially street photography, how that might change. Um, Yeah, I mean, not not yet. It's something I definitely want to get back to, though.
0: Okay. Well, if you do, um, please share that with the world because now everybody knows who you are. Well, not everybody, but whoever listens to this. So um, get that. And I'm sure there's people that like to read blogs and love graffiti. And if you write about fashion stuff... The the sneakerhead scene Whatever it is I'm sure someone in there yeah. I'm actually glad you brought that whole sneakerhead head up Right Because um, this is just to go and show the world That like street photography Street photographers are like They're interested in more things Dealing with real life Right So shoes Graffiti Whatever it is Speaking of graffiti uh, Martha Cooper You know who she is? Yeah Okay, so you have a lot of her books then? I have two of her books. Okay.
1: Yeah, I have Subway Art, and then I have this other book called uh, Name Tagging, which Mm -hmm. is just a a book on graffiti stickers, pretty much.
2: Yeah.
1: But I don't know if you watched uh, her documentary or the documentary on her that came out, I think, last year or the year before uh, Martha Cooper, a picture story. If you haven't, I would suggest to check it out. Uh, But that was really interesting because she's really well known for documenting graffiti, but I didn't know that she had a bunch of work on like actually being in Asia. And I think, uh, some work like, well, she's been working on a project in Baltimore, like most recently. And so she has all these other books, like of work that I didn't even know about that are more documentary style and like aren't necessarily focused on graffiti at all. It just, like regular photography well not regular photography there's no such thing as regular photography but more so like documentary work on like certain places which i found to be pretty interesting and i wouldn't have known that otherwise if i didn't watch that documentary so uh, it's worth checking out
0: cool i actually didn't know she had one and i'm not gonna lie maybe this is Bad of me, so shame on me. But I, I only thought she took pictures of graffiti. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so that I guess that's bad on me. But uh, I will definitely look into her other work. So that's interesting. Film. You said you shot film or are still shooting film. So you don't shoot digital at all right now. No, nah, other than my phone. Um, I've, I, I, I empathize with you on on shooting film. Um, I love it. I actually enjoy the entire process of shooting film more than shooting digital up until the point where you take the role out of your camera and <laughs> have to develop it and then it becomes the hate of the love-hate relationship i i don't like the development part maybe because i didn't Do you develop all your own film at home i used to i don't anymore and i'm glad i don't because it just it consumes so much time right and if I was to show you my, my daily schedule on the stuff that I do, I have nowhere to fit film developing in there. Um, I would find the time. I wouldn't make an excuse on, you know, I don't have the time to do it. I would do it if I need to, but I don't. That's what people have film development jobs to do, and I don't mind paying them. So they that's, what, that's their job, and I will pay them to develop my film. I do, however, scan my own film, and... Just recently, we had another kind of like, I don't want to say it was a lockdown, but it was it was a lockdown. And I had about 22 rolls of film to scan. And normally, I would hate scanning just two, right? Because it would take like a long time. Because I like to go in there, and I want to make sure my scan's right before it just scans. I don't want a piece of shit scan. So, uh, But I actually did all 22 rolls in like four days, which was really good. And I, I enjoyed it. So uh I'm getting back into the part of loving film scanning again, but as of now we still have a love hate relationship. But I like that you said you stocked up on all the film before the sky the, the the prices went sky high. And I did something similar and I bought when I say I bought a lot of film, I was just on like Amazon every day looking for uh the different deals. Cause the thing about Amazon is like every day the price changes, right? And they're good at marketing and that's how they get you to buy their five packs of film that it takes years. I'm still shooting film from like three years ago that I bought and I'm almost done, uh, but I'm having fun with it. So uh, what's your favorite film stock?
1: Uh, so for color film, I would say, I, I will, I'll give this you a couple different answers. So I'd say my favorite film stock, if I could shoot it like all the time, I would, but it's Unfortunately, a film stock that is no longer made it is uh, Portra 400 VC. Actually, give me a second.
0: Vivid color. I had to learn it and neutral color NC.
1: Yeah, so I, I bought a box of this on eBay mm-hmm. like two years ago. Ah oh, man, it is beautiful. I love this film stock. I if I, like I said, if I could shoot it all the time, I would. If if Kodak brought it back, that would that would just make my year. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things where I think it was just a fluke that I bought a box on eBay. It was good. Like it wasn't, didn't give me any funky colors or anything crazy. Uh, and I got five rolls. I actually, me and my friend, we split it. So he got two of the rolls. I got three. I loved it, but unfortunately I I finished all three rolls and now I've just moved on to other film stocks, uh, which leads to my second answer, which is Lomography 800. Um, I feel like it's a pretty, it has like a lot of, it's a wide range of what you can do with that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can shoot at box speed. You can overexpose it by two stops. Um, I love the colors of it. Uh, I like shooting 800, especially for street photography because mm-hmm you know, sometimes those moments, you just, you need it yeah. to be quick, but you also need like that wide range once you're on a rangefinder to, to capture all sorts of things in the frame and you want all sorts of things in focus. So an 800 speed film is perfect for that. Um, and then I also recently got into printing film or printing like images in the dark room. Mm-hmm. And so I've been shooting a lot of triacs lately, uh, which is new for me because it's once I I'd say like fair enough, once I got more so into street photography, I was shooting a lot more Ilford HP five and I just wanted to, I wanted to learn how to shoot for yeah. I mean, a lot of the greats they've used tracks over the years and it's like shooting a new film stock is like learning a new language. Like the only way to le- really learn it is to shoot a lot of it. So I'm kind of going through that the growing pains a little bit right now, but it, it's been fun. So th- those are my two main film stocks right now: is Lomo 800 and X Yeah,
0: uh, lo- four hundred. I love um, film rating at 800, so I love Portrait 800. Um, but going back to the Portra VC, uh, I I read because this is when I was trying to you know uh, experiment with shooting film stocks and. I've, I've shot a lot of film stocks out there just because I wanted to see what they look like, more like tests, which is kind of fucked up because like I spent a lot of money on really good films that I just shot like a fucking weekend shooter. Like, oh. And yeah. uh, for me, it, I'll get into that story. But um, what I read about the Portra is they actually combined the VC and the NC and now it's just portrait, Right. So it's that's why they don't yeah. make it. It's kind of blended. I don't know. Maybe Kodak has a, a right answer for that. Everyone's hoping they bring back Kodachrome, which may never happen. E100 is, is a beautiful film, but just shooting slide film is just so difficult. It Well, it's not difficult. Yeah. You just have to really know film, which it seems like you do. So you could probably nail some really good E100 shots. Greg's really good at it. He showed us an image that he he took beautiful probably the best e100 photo i've ever seen handheld on and yeah um but hp5 is great at 800 so it's probably the cheapest black and white film you can get and you can push it really fucking fi- far on as far as what speed you shoot it at uh, i do love tri-x and now for me the the film that i said i've regret shooting just recreationally was a fujifilm Natura 1600 so a 1600 yeah. color film it was a, a story on how i found it it was right around the time where i didn't know anything about film when i got into it but from just reading it it was the the year where they discontinued it right i don't like fujifilm for that they they make all these really good film stocks and then they discontinue them, like pro 400h their best film, and now yeah. can't can't make it no more. Now they're just doing the little budget four hundred. So, curious. but I found it at this small little shop in Tokyo. You've been to Japan, so like camera shops are everywhere. They have film everywhere, and they had a box of three, 36 exposures for about nine dollars. And I only bought one. <laughs> Cause I didn't know much about oh, film. I didn't. Man. I didn't know color renditions. I didn't know grain. I didn't know any of that, right? And you know, looking at some of the results that I actually got a really good picture on, like I was like, man, this is a film I should have shot more, <laughs> more. You know, <laughs> took a little more time and care of uh, putting some some thought into what I was gonna shoot, but uh, I'll never get that opportunity again. I did see some on eBay for like sixty five dollars for one row. and I was like, "It's a a good film, but it's not sixty five dollars worth." So, uh, I will. Yeah, I
1: will. Uh, I will admit, one of my uh, my buddies, he had a bunch of nature, uh, just like on ice, and he, I, I don't know if he was like out of a job or what was going on, but he's like, he messaged like a group of us, and he's like, "Hey, I have this film stock." Uh, I'm gonna, I'm willing to let it go for you all, uh, to you all. It's going to be like $55 a roll. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever shoot this film stock. Like, let me just buy one roll. And so just chilling in my freezer right now. Um, I, I don't know when I'll shoot it. Like I, I actually was talking to my other friend who also bought one. And he's like, I think the only appropriate place to shoot it is if I take a trip to Tokyo, like, yeah, I would want to shoot it there with like all the lights and everything, and I'm like, that's a good point. Maybe, maybe that might be it for me. I don't
0: know. Until then, it's just gonna sit in my freezer. Well, if you don't want to shoot it, I will buy it from you now. Because, <laughs> and your friend, you can let him know I will buy it from him, uh, and you can send it to me. Uh, I do have a U.S. mailbox, so. It, but, anyways, that's jokes. If you go to Tokyo, you gotta shoot, um, still 800 at night, just because yeah. of the. Uh, it's amazing if you can nail it I, I still can't master it Because every time I, I try to shoot it at night It's always raining And I'm trying to get under some... Anyways uh, yeah. Darkroom dark printing What what made you get into that?
1: Oh man I, I It's something that I've been curious about For a long time uh, Especially once I started developing My own film i would, so the place where I go to develop my black and white, it's uh, it's like a community lab, and so you could go there and you can develop your own film, your black and white film, and they offer all the chemicals for free. They have a dark room to go print, and so I would just go there and just develop all my own film because I mean it was just cheaper than taking it to a lab, and I at that time I really was trying to shoot a lot and just like progress a lot faster. So in order to do that, you have to shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would always see people coming in and out and like looking at their prints. And I was always curious about it, but I never did it myself because I didn't have anybody teach me. And then I also wanted to take a class there, but the classes would fill up really fast and pretty much right before the pandemic really happened one of the guys who works there was like, why don't you print? Like you're here all the time. Like, why aren't you printing your work? And I'm like, I I just don't know how to print. Mm -hmm. He's like, dude, just go watch a YouTube video and go mess around in there. Like if you have any questions you can ask me, you can ask like any of the staff, like we'll have, we'll answer the questions for you. Like we know who you are. Like you're here all the time. And I'm like, Oh, okay, for sure. So like, I was like getting ready. I was like super stoked to like learn how to start printing and then pandemic hit, And then I was like, there, there goes printing, you know? Um, And then it wasn't until recently, like I'd say November or October of last year. uh, One of my friends, he, he actually went to a dark room printing class once he spent the summer in New York. So he learned how to print. And uh, he kind of just taught me how to do it. And then after that, like my first time printing, like I knew what images I wanted to print just because I had all that black and white HP five photos I took Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just like, I was hooked after that. And it just, it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful process, you know, it takes a lot of time and like, it's also made me more thoughtful than the the things that I photograph, especially black and white because I will often think like, do I, would I want to make a print of this? Like how would this look printed as opposed to like, how is this going to look on a phone screen or how is this going to look on my website? Uh, it, it's, it's also made me better at editing like my photos in a way to get them to look the way that I want to, or try to get them to look the way that I want to. Um, so that's, that's really how I got into black and white printing is just through being around it, and then just having friends being willing to teach me, really.
0: Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I really, really, really love that last part. I've been shooting photography for 13 years, and I've never had this concept in my mind with what will my images look like printed? And that that just blew my mind. Like I'm going to apply this, and this is why I love talking to different people so much, right? As I've never done darkroom printing before, right? I I do <laughs> Canon P100 printing and, uh, but it's different, right? So because you have to, like you said, you have to edit it, right? Because you can't just print an image straight out of camera on digital, right? So you want to shoot it right. So, like, how will this image look printed, right? And now I'm pretty sure whoever is listening to this is gonna say the same thing I'm saying. Like it just it's a paradigm shift on shooting photography it really is i'm really glad you said that uh made me lose all my other thoughts because I'm so caught up on it i re- i wrote it down too so thank you thank you thank you for that i really do appreciate yeah no the, problem a little bit of knowledge uh I'm not lying you really I was like oh shit. i can't think in my brain right now if you could see it, it's just crickets but uh, i'm glad i'm I already know what my next question was gonna be so When did you discover street photography? We got when you got into it, uh, and we got a lot of, you know, a lot of bits of information of you leading up to it. But when did you discover, like, shooting in the street, shooting people, and moving away more of the graffiti scene and, like, candid moments? Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's a a great question. So I would say the the graffiti, like, shooting graffiti really – Was what introduced me to street photography Or even documentary photography Um, A lot of the people That I guess I, I could say like I looked up to In a way that they had different Blogs around graffiti Also shot a lot of Documentary style stuff of like I think it was unknowingly Documentary stuff of like their friends Like partying and like almost like Ryan McGinley like photos of them Like doing having crazy antics And things like that but they would also like take photos of just wild stuff out in the streets. And so that was really like my introduction to street photography. I didn't know what it was like at that time. I didn't really understand genres of photography per se. I just knew what I was drawn to and what I liked. And so I was really into all that, like the madness, the craziness of just everyday life and like the possibilities that these things actually happen. And so There's one. There's a couple different photographers in the Bay Area that a lot of the photography that influenced me early on were photographers from the Bay Area, not necessarily like the ones that have like big books or anything like that, but more so like people from like Flickr and those the back in those days. Um, And so they were also documenting documenting graffiti, but they also started doing more so street photography and i didn't know what it was i just saw the photos and at first i was a bit confused uh especially because it just seemed like kind of odd to me san francisco i feel like has a pretty relatable style to like new york street photography where it's a bit in your face like i think we're all in a way like children like the descendants of like gary winogrand in a way like very, you know, in your face. Like we want to capture like unique moments, like funny moments, like those grimy moments, things like that. And so once I saw a lot of that stuff, it it piqued my curiosity for sure. Um, so that's, I, so I'd say like the middle of the 2010s is really once I got introduced to street photography and then I probably started to do street photography myself, maybe like 2017 to maybe early 2018 i i would have to like look through my archives to see like when i even started to attempt to try this genre
0: mm-hmm. so that's that's really interesting uh there's a lot of good uh street photographers out there in sam fran do you know always chasing daylight yeah yeah, yeah. we i've never met him in person
1: but uh, we follow each other. I, I mean I'm sure I'll bump into him at one day on the
0: streets, but you probably already uh, yeah, asked, I've never right? met him in person. Yeah. You probably already Yeah, maybe, maybe. it's just possible. You just kind yeah. of wave their likes at each other, you're like good on you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then you keep walking. I've I've seen many street photographers like so this people might might laugh at me when I say this, but I, I'm an asshole when it comes to certain things, right? Like when I'm in the zone street photography. I'm focused on it, right? So, like, if I see you shooting street and you're on the other side of the street, I'm just going to, I'll acknowledge you, like, go on. But I'm going to continue shooting, right? So I won't necessarily approach you and talk to you about photography unless we're, like, you know, paths are crossing and you're close and we just kind of happen to share that moment where you catch eyes and you're like, oh, you have a camera. You're a street photographer. But most times, like, like I said, like, I'll see you, but I'm i I'm focused on the streets. Like I won't stop. I won't talk. Um, but that doesn't mean like I'm not a comp like a social butterfly. I love talking to people. But when I'm out in the streets, I'm just like I said, click click. I'm f yeah. I am I do wanna miss my moment, right? I've I've been like time I get a message and I think it's working I'll I'll grab my phone and then I look up and I just miss something I was waiting for and I was like, fuck, okay, keep on going.
1: Yeah. So. Nah, I hear you man like anything can happen at any given moment you always kind of got to be on your toes yeah. which yeah like if you're like talking to somebody or whatever yeah. you might miss out on some of those uh the decisive moment as uh Henry Cartier or Brisson would say so now
0: nah, I feel you on that yeah that guy is so amazing I saw a YouTube video on him I'll have to search the link if anyone's curious but it was probably the best 18 minutes of photography learning I've ever. He's not teaching you. He's talking, and it's like a lesson. Like it's four yeah. years of college type of, like knowledge in in 18 minutes. I'm still trying to comprehend this. I wrote it down, and the stuff that he says, how he says it, you can see why he's the greatest, and his his thought process, and he's he's a beautiful mind. I, that's all I can say very beautiful like yeah people really like don't just look at his photographs actually study the man right like listen to his interviews everything he has to say like he is amazing truly truly amazing so
1: i I agree i i uh like towards the end of last year i was curious because like i I've, I've seen you know one of some of the more famous photographs of his and mm-hmm. i always thought like okay this is this is really good but like why what's like the hype around him you know and so i just i went on ig and i was like hey does anybody have this book like that i could just borrow because the prices on amazon are crazy for it even for like the reprinted copies of the decisive moment it's like yeah. 500 bucks and i'm like i'm not about to pay 500 bucks for this book and luckily one of my buddies he's like, yeah, like I, I actually have it. Like you can borrow it for however long you want. And so once I finally got the copy and I started going through it, I was like, okay, like I get it now. Like I can I understand like the hype around him. Like he, he lives up to the hype. He is that good. Like, it's crazy. Like his compositions are just like next level. Um, it's wild. It's wild how good he is.
0: So, so if you see his photos and like I was saying, like he's more than just a great photo taker. Like he, his words, his his brain in general is just is amazing. I I, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos on YouTube. Just start searching them and listen to him speaking. Like I said, like your those eighteen minutes you will come out with more information and and more inspiration and more feelings towards street photography than anyone has ever taught you. Like yeah, um, so it was a. a a great uh what is it coincidence that i found it and, and now here we are talking about it uh, i do have i've been looking for the decisive moment i see it and again like i can afford 500 but um i don't feel comfortable buying 500 book just to leave it on the shelf right like yeah it's it is worth 500 but for me i just couldn't do it but i did buy one of his other books it's called photographer or photograph something like that it's really big it's like that fucking big right and it's kind of like a compilation of all his photos, um, so that would be a different route if you're looking to get a Brisson book. Uh, I would recommend it. And yeah, I, his work, his, him just him as a person, overall everything, one hundred, all the way right, five stars, Michelin star chef, everything. So yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, so when you began shooting street photography. Was it with a Leica or was it with that Canon Rebel where you're doing your flat lays? Sorry, I got. Uh, you. so I would say no, you're good. You're
1: good. Uh, I uh, I'd say the first kind of cameras I shot with were like little point and shoot like mm-hmm. film cameras. So like the Olympus XA2 was like a camera I used for a long time, and then when I felt like I needed to get more like quote unquote serious about my gear. And like, the, so I started using like an SLR, like an old Nikon SLR I have that my dad gave me. Mm-hmm. And I was using that for a long time, but it made me almost uncomfortable, like being out in the street with it because of like how loud, you know, that mirror slap with an SLR is completely different from like the silent shutter of a, of a Leica, you know? And so like the types of photo, I would try to take street style photography photos, but I just couldn't. I wasn't making the photos that I wanted, or like the photos that I liked from other people. Like if I was trying to replicate almost in a way, and so I was like, I gotta get a rangefinder. And so I, I eventually graduated. I got it, or graduated, however you want to put it. Uh, I got a context G1, mm. which is a rangefinder, but it's it's you know it's auto focus, auto aperture, rangefinder film camera, and it was cool, like. I don't know. It just wasn't for me. There's something about the camera just threw me off. I, it was like a 45 millimeter. I know you don't like talking about gear, but the 45 mil millimeter lens on it. Just, yeah. It just, I don't know. Something about it just, I wasn't really feeling it too much. And so, uh, coincidentally, like I, I quit drinking like, uh, September of 2019. And once I stopped drinking, I was like, I need to get more focused on like getting my money right, just like focused on getting my health right, and like also wanted to focus more on my art and just like getting more serious about art in general. And so I was actually talking to my like oh, I, this guy I follow, we follow each other on Instagram. I've never met him before. He's like lives out in Baltimore, and we were just talking about gear. And he's just like, yeah, like I'm I'm saving up to buy a Leica and. I was like oh really and I was like man that never crossed my mind that I could actually ever afford to buy a Leica but once I quit drinking I had more money in my pocket because I wasn't blowing it on at the weekend at bars or whatever so I was like well I actually have way more money in my pocket like maybe if I save up I might actually be able to afford it and so like I pretty much hustled for like the last like four months of 2019 Mm -hmm. and I was like like I was buying like Supreme and reselling it and like doing all sorts of stuff to like try to be able to afford a, a Leica. And then coincidentally, my friend, he was selling his Leica. Uh, and I was like, yo, like if you wait like a month before you sell it, like I will buy it off of you, but you just got to give me a month to like get the last couple of paychecks in or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it, it took me a while to to finally get a Leica, but once I did, it was a game changer for sure. Yeah,
0: you, you got it at the right time because I swear, like right at right January 1, 2020, that's when M6s are now going for $5,000 now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. When I got the M6, it was like 1300 So that's, that's yeah. it's a big jump. I've seen them for 8000 just a regular classic in Tokyo. So, um, and not even special editions. So, that just tells you where they're going. I like to yeah. think like, Leica is the new Bitcoin. I, I say that a lot, but yeah, it's near that. But so the question when when it was kind of, is coming full circle now is to, to ask, how do you feel Leica has improved your street photography, right? So you, you started off with, which I did have a Contax G1. I actually bought the G1 and the G2 together the same day because in Japan, you can find them in your local corner store because... That's where they're at, and I got them. But it doesn't matter how much I got them for. But I had them. I never used the G one. I actually ended up selling it. Uh, but I still have the G two, and it was it's a it's a novelty, right? It's a great camera. It's very capable, but it's it's mindless. And what I mean by that is, like, when you shoot film, you want to control the process, right? Unless you're shooting with like the little compact point and shoots, because that's their their purpose. But if you're shooting with a rangefinder you want to be able to control everything right essentially the g2 is just a digital camera version on film and and i'm i'm telling you off experience like it was it was really fun to shoot i have really great images that it produces carl carl zeiss lenses are amazing but i i got bored of it right so when i moved from england back to japan i was torn I was like do I bring my M6 with me because I, I I can't carry all my cameras I had a lot of cameras at the time I was like do I bring my M6 with me or do I bring the G2 and I don't know why uh, I'm I'll kill myself for this saying this uh, but I, I chose the G2 right I chose the G2 and I, uh, as soon as uh, all my stuff was packed up and my M6 was in the box I regretted I was like why didn't I just bring the Leica right I had I didn't enjoy shooting the G2 <clears throat> at all. The entire trip and I had to wait 3 months before I got my M6 back. It was the longest 3 months I ever had to wait. So like yeah, it's it's a cool camera, it's great and if you just want to take mindless film snaps that your exposure is going to be proper every time, go for it, but it's just a different experience. I know exactly what you meant when you said you just couldn't get on with the G1 and it, it is a great camera, it's capable of producing good results. It's just not it's it's not there so yeah but yeah yeah going back to my question how has leica in, how how do you feel like leica's improved your overall photography experience Man I I mean shooting
1: with the leica it's it's just so simple like they make the design of the cameras are just so easy to use that it it just eliminates a lot of like the headache of like worrying about different things. Obviously it's like up to you to make sure you get your exposure right. Or that you're in focus and things like that. But once I really learned how to zone focus and things like that, it just, it just made it a lot easier as far as street photography. And then that eventually just made my photography a lot better in general with that camera, because I was really forced to go out and learn this camera and like really go 100% manual. And then once I did that, once I was just shooting casually of like pictures of my friends or of my family and things like that, like I was able to compose a lot easier. I was able to get my aperture right. Like everything was just started to become more second nature to me. And it just also because of how quiet it is, you know, like people. People talk about how quiet Leicas are, but it's like it—it it really is that quiet once you once you hit that shutter. Like it's a game changer. And so once you want to get closer or you want to, yeah, be really in people's personal space, like they don't necessarily know that you're actually taking a photo, other than the fact that if you have it to your eye. But if you're shooting from the hip or something like that, like they have no idea. Like if I shoot from the hip. I can barely hear the shutter go off. So like if they're standing like a few feet away from me, they probably don't hear it at all. So it it just really forced me to to be comfortable with stepping out of my comfort zone and uh, just try different things. And I think part of it too is like now I've been shooting with the 28 somewhat recently and it being wider on the Leica, I, I can get more in the shot. So even if I do shoot from the hip or I kind of just, I can barely put the camera to my eye. Uh, I'll get those shots a lot better because I'm getting a wider range in the photo. Uh, So overall, I mean, like, yeah, just shooting like in general is just helps me. It's made me want to make photos. I think that's the best way to put it. It's made me want to go out and make photos. And I can't say a lot of other cameras have done that where it's made the shooting experience enjoyable to the level that shooting a Leica has.
0: No, that makes proper sense. I like. I'm writing that now. It's gonna be the, the title of your podcast. I don't know if you heard, but I was actually taking pictures of you while you were talking with my M3 and my M10P. That was the actual, Those are actual shutter sounds I recorded from them. But yeah, so it, it is. It is quiet, and I do love it, and it does force you to make better photos. Everybody I spoke to it leads up and they always say the same thing like us has made me become a better photographer so we know the outcome right but I I like to know how so you answered all those questions so so thank you for that Um, now let's go ahead and get into your socials so uh, I said earlier you can plug your blog but any social media you use, websites, anything you like us to know that you have, feel free to plug it, and then we will discuss a photo of yours I selected.
1: Yeah, so uh, right now I'm on Instagram, so at MacValdi, MacValdee, M-A-C-V-A-L-D-E-E. Uh, that's my personal account, uh, my photography account. Uh, and then I also help run a page called Bay Area Film. So B-A-E-A-R-E-A-F-I-L-M. And that page is more so geared around uh, film photographers in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's not necessarily just street photography or just like the photography, but it's just, uh, it helps build a community in our local area amongst photographers in general. So you can kind of connect with people that shoot, anything, I mean, the cliche in film photography is like old cars, but, you know, some of those photos can be fire. I'm not lying. I can't lie. So, you know, anything from that to landscape to street photography and anything in between people in the San Francisco Bay Area shoot. And that's what we help promote is just, help you know, get people's work out there in the Bay Area. So those are like my two Instagrams that I help run or I run or help run. And then um, I will be starting a YouTube channel this year. That is one of my goals. It's not necessarily just going to be street photography or photography. It's going to be more so around just being a, uh, creative, uh, in 2022 and beyond. So, I mean, I also paint, I haven't painted in a while, but it's something that I do enjoy. And then, uh, you know, just all sorts of random topics. So, those are, like, the my, my main, uh, like, socials. Uh, like you mentioned, I have my website, marcusvalderama.com. Uh, you can check out my work there. I'll be starting my blog up again soon enough. Uh, that's it, I think. I don't I don't have TikTok. I don't have Twitter. I don't have anything else like that. So uh,
0: uh, that's, that's all I got for now. Yeah, I'm too old for that TikTok stuff. Even when Snapchat came out, I was like, what is this? How do you use it? Like all my coworkers and, and my family was like, you don't Snapchat. And I was like, I I live, you know, 35 years without a Snapchat. Why do I need Snapchat now, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I like how you said you're building the community with the film. Uh, I, it's really important. No matter what camera you you any person decides to shoot with, it, it's great. That you can still make great art, great photos. So, yeah. Um, Good you, good for you on that. I will say because I, I, um, I have my own personal, but I also have the the Leica SPC Instagram page, and I'm the only one that that manages it. So uh, I have this thing where I only do spam posts once every two weeks because I get tagged in it so often that if I was to just you know stop and upload the the photo, I get tagged in all the time. It it would take me. Probably two weeks to get to the next photo. There's, there's so many now that it's actually yeah. coming in. It's, it's growing up. I remember when I started using the tag. There was I was the first one I created the tag, but I would always look at it and it would say under 100 photos, under 100 photos, and now I'm like, oh, it's over 100 photos. So I'm waiting for it to get to 1 million photos, however many years. But hopefully, it gets there. Goals. I also plan on starting a YouTube. I actually, I don't know why, but. I didn't start recording the video for the Zoom. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit, I, I didn't record it. So uh, that's going to have <laughs> to start at another day. But we'll getting the audio, so get on that. Um, yeah, but go check him out. Support him. He's He's got a really good eye, everybody. Mark. Mac Valdi, Sorry, I said Mark. Uh, Mac Valdi. That's all good. Uh, and we're going to discuss this photo because it's, it's interesting. Um, so I want you to tell me what you remember about it. Where you took it, anything, you, yeah, essentially, whatever you remember about taking this photo. And then I'll I'll give my, my opinion on why I liked it and why I selected it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I believe the photo we're talking about is the one of the guy feeding the bird. It is. Um, yeah, so that photo was taken last November. Like I think the first week in November, my, my friend Jerry, who doesn't really, he doesn't really shoot street photography. He's more into like nature and landscapes and stuff like that. But you know, we're friends before photography. So he's like, Hey, let's go shoot on Saturday. Like, yeah, like why not? Let's go. And he's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go down to Santa Cruz. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with, the uh, like the, Geography of the Bay Area But Santa Cruz is probably like an hour Hour and a half south of San Francisco So we went out to Santa Cruz And they're known for Santa Cruz is known for really good surf But it also has like a boardwalk Where people go and they ride like Amusement park like rides Like roller coasters and things like that And uh, they also have like a little Pier that you could walk on And you can see like sea lions And, and stuff like that And so, uh, we were, we were actually kind of coming towards the end of the day of shooting and we were just walking on the pier and like, I had saw, I saw the guy that was feeding the bird, like actually buy the fries and everything like coincidentally. And so he was walking ahead of us and him and his friend were, were trying to feed these seagulls. And I was like, I'm like, I've, I've seen people feed birds, but like never like seagulls, like not by hand at least. Uh, And so I just come on seeing him like reach up and trying to feed these birds. And I was like, dude, I gotta get a photo of this. Like, I don't know if this guy's going to think I'm sketchy or I'm like weird or something, but like, I I gotta get a photo. And so like, I got like a couple different angles. Like I got one from the back. And I was like, it's, you know, in street photography, like you can only get a photo of a back look so good. It's not going to tell a good story. Like you want to get people's facial expressions And so like I went around and he was still trying to feed these birds. And so like I got one from further, a little further away. And I was like, let me just, let me get a little bit closer. Let me keep, and I kept on trying to just get a little bit closer and the guy never said anything or he he didn't even know maybe that I even existed or he didn't care. I don't know, but I was just trying to get close and I was just trying to get the moment where the bird like snatches it out of his fingers. And like, I, I was like that close to getting it. Um, but I still like the photo regardless. Like, I think it's just like a kind of a weird moment. Like you have this guy just reaching up in the sky, trying to, trying to feed this bird and you have other birds like kind of surrounding that one bird. And it's like all sorts of madness going on at once. I also like the fact that I did take it in color. I think it, it helps tell the story a bit better. Cause it's, uh, I think it, there are some photos that just work better in black and white. And there's, there's some photos that work better in color. And I think in this, particular instance I really like the fact that it wasn't it was in color so yeah I mean I think it's a decent photo it's not
0: bad it's actually a really good photo and I I don't care like many photographers couldn't even pull this off so the fact that you got it is really good Uh, it would have been an amazing photo it's a really good photo I don't want you to to take this the wrong way but it would have been an amazing 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 like you could sell this to museums if he actually got the bird at that one moment when he's pulling the the whatever he's eaten out of the guy's hand lined up yeah with this bird where he is now. Uh because what it looks like is the man's feeding the bird and the bird's feeding the bird on top of him. So that's ah uh. that's why for me this I I didn't notice but it's actually just the birds flying together. But if if you look at it, it's like the bird on top his mouth's on the wing, which is emulating him feeding from the man. So it all connects. Oh uh, yeah, That's a good point. It all connects, and and like I said, yeah. If, if you would have got it when the first bird is actually taking the food, it had just been a straight line. It would have been amazing. But it, it, I'm not taking nothing away from this photo. I know how hard no, it is. No, no, it's get all it.
1: good. It's all good.
0: <clears throat> but yeah, like I saw this and I was like, that that's a hard shot to get, right? So like anything with moving subjects on film and exposed properly takes a lot of skill. And that just goes back to your 10 plus years of shooting film. Um, I've been shooting film for about, I would say four years. Not dedicated because I do I do switch between digital. Uh, and I'm barely pro like learning to expose the way I, I want to, right. Not that I couldn't expose properly, but now I'm getting to the point where, like, I know what what I need to do to get the optimal results that I want. So film, it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. Going back to the first 10,000 shots are your worst. So, Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, That only counts on film because film is a slower process than digital because you could take 10,000 photos in a minute. Not really, uh, but yeah, so. That is amazing photo. I'm sorry, I'm so looking. What film was it, by the way? Was it Portra?
1: No, that was a Lomo
0: 800. Wow. I'm not gonna, yeah. I, I've never shot Lomo 800. Uh, that's probably the only film I do want to shoot that I've never shot. And
1: it's a, it's a. I mean, it's getting pricier now, but it's still cheaper than Portra 800. Uh, like I said, you could expose it at like 400 and get like even brighter colors. Yeah. It's a great film style. I, I definitely would recommend it.
0: So of all the the reviews I've heard of Lomo 800, this doesn't look like Lomo 800 at all. And now I know yeah. why people gravitate toward this more than the Portra 800. Because just by looking at it right here, I thought it was Portra or at least a Kodak. It does get some, yeah. some some Kodak color vibes. I like it. I like it a lot. So now yeah, I mean Amazon. I'm been doing some. Shooting. Yeah. <laughs> if you still want to sell me that natural, I will buy it from you. Oh so. <laughs> man, um, I gotta hold on to that yeah. one. I gotta hold on to that one. Don't 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 do that. Yeah, you want to shoot it. Shoot it. Take. I'm telling you now. Like, take your time. Shoot it properly. 1600 speed is perfect. Doesn't matter. Get some half in some overcast, half in some harsh lighting. Really take your time on that roll because I'll tell you, when you see it, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. I, I, I fucked
1: up. It's going to be a sad moment when it's over, but, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to the day I do shoot it.
0: When you load your M6, do you just do that super fast quick load method? Or do you actually? Like, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you. So when I started, I would... Because I, I, I didn't want to waste film, so I, I wanted to make sure it was loaded properly. I would take my time. It took me like four minutes to load a roll of film in the in the M6. And then I started reading the manual and how it's designed. That quick load system, well, it's it works 100%. Of, no, I shouldn't lie. It works 99.9% of the time if, if you can actually get it in there properly. right? And you will get at least one to two extra shots per roll of film if you if you load it properly with that quick load. Yeah, so one or two shots is a lot on film. Yeah, 100%. So uh, you you don't use the quick load?
1: No, like, uh, so funny story. One of my uh, friends that I shoot with, like, really often, Mm -hmm. his name's Tofei. He's also, he has also, like, an M6. Uh, He, we, like, there's a guy in the Bay Area, I'm not going to say any names, but he has a YouTube channel. And he actually did a video on the quick load system and so, tofei he's like, okay, like let me let me try this out. And he loaded it, and he got a blank roll of film back. And that I was right. like, yo, I'm never mm-hmm. gonna do this method. Like, I'm not gonna risk this. But I, I do like, I'm very like uh, precise with how I try to load my Leica M6. Yeah. Unless like I'm like out like really shooting, I'm in that zone. Then I'm like, okay, like I'll shoot at zero. But a lot of times, I'll try to get that like first frame where it's like a half frame burn. And so like I'll try to do something interesting on the right side and the left side will be like the burn. And then like, I'll try to get an Mm -hmm. extra shot. I usually get like 38 frames, uh, sometimes 39 if I'm like extremely lucky, but yeah, yeah, I usually get like those extra one to two frames on each of my rolls, which like you said, it makes a huge difference, especially when you're shooting film because like we talked about, film prices are crazy now. So like any extra, frames you get you gotta take advantage
0: you know yeah so what i will tell you and this is for everybody out there that shoots film this is guaranteed foolproof to make sure you quick loaded it properly right and again i i didn't want a phantom i've i had phantom rolls and that's the worst feeling right what happened was he he didn't get the the film low enough where the sprockets caught the the film leader what you do is when you drop it in you close it you advance you, you might waste a little time but you'll save a, l- a lot more time what you do is you take your rewind wheel and you just try to make it tight if the film slips you'll know if it slips because you just loaded it so it's really it's really fresh so it shouldn't roll too far if you feel it nice tight and tout it's loaded and you're 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 primed and you're ready to shoot and what I mean by that is when you when it, it'll stop your rewind lever will stop and I I because sh- I phantom rolled it once. <laughs> and I'm telling you, try try the quick load system. You will, when you get it and you understand the like engineering and all this time that they put into, you'll understand like, oh shit, this really does work. It okay. It works. Test it out. Go buy a, a roll of the cheapest film that you wouldn't care just to make sure you did grab it. But yeah, I'm telling you. You'll get that extra frame. Well, if you can get an extra frame now, it, it doesn't matter. But like when you're in the street and you want to keep shooting, that quick load, it'll save you. So All that. right. I'll give it a shot. But if I get a blank roll, I'm coming for you, my man. Uh, you won't because no, I just but... told you how to check. And if it's loaded in there, you hit yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you feel that slip, then you're just going to open it and you're just going to load it by hand. So it works. I'm yeah. telling you, it, it really does. And, and I got so good with it and I got so comfortable and confident and Leica's engineers, that whoever designed it, they knew what they were doing. That I don't even question it. I feel it. It's tight. Good to go. And I start shooting. So there's always that. So I want to tie back. Earlier, you mentioned stepping out of your comfort zone. Uh, I want to get more into that. How do you step out of your comfort zone? What is your comfort zone? And what is on the outside of your comfort zone?
1: Ooh. Okay. There's a, there's a mixed bag of questions in there. So I'd say my comfort zone now, like I'm is, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with shooting like almost any situation. Like, uh, I've gotten to the point now where, you know, I will shoot whatever, like any situation, like, unless it's, I, I, I Okay, I'll say this. I'll, I'll start off with basically what I won't... What is not my comfort zone or things that I won't shoot. Like, I don't like shooting people that are, like, down and out. Like, I don't like... If people are in, like, a bad situation and you know that they're... They they need some sort of help, like, mentally or physically, um, like, I'm I'm probably not going to make that photo. Like, that's just something that I'm probably not going to do. Not just and like, I know some people do, and there's, there are people that have made like amazing photographs shooting that kind of stuff, but it just like, I, I would just, I imagine like if I'm in that person's shoe, like I wouldn't want my photograph taken. Um, but that's just me personally. So like, that's like the kind of stuff that's like, I guess out of my comfort zone. It's just like shooting people that are down and out. Um, but as far as anything else, like, I feel like it's kind of free game. Like if you're wearing like Like I will, I try to get close, but I, I, I can never be like a Bruce Gilden, like something like getting into people's spaces and like using a flash that's out of my comfort zone too. Uh, that's something that I, I could not do. Like, like, and some people, obviously he is, uh, people have mixed emotions about him or there's, he's very controversial, especially his earlier work. Is like some of it's like amazing. Like, I got I re, my friends actually just gave me one of his books from Japan, actually, the cherry blossom book. I just which got is it. like, like some of like you. my best, yeah, yeah, that's a great book. Like, the picture, one of my favorite, my favorite Bruce Gilden image is the one where the, the two Yakuza guys are, are there and the guy's lighting up the other guy's cigarette. I mean, come on, that's, yeah. that's uh, just something about it. But, anyways, like, I can never get to that level of just going around using a flash or something like that. Um, but I will try to get close, like, to people. I'll try to take a picture, like, as close as I can, but I, I'm i still probably, like, a few feet away. Like, I cannot get, like, directly in somebody's face. Like, mm-hmm. also, like, I don't know how it can it. Like, somebody would just have to have, like, a really interesting face for me to want it, to do that in the first place. Um, how I step out of my comfort zone, though, is just, like, it, it was a slow progress. I was not somebody who could was like, once I got into street photography was comfortable. Like I'm, I'm a non-confrontational person by nature, uh, unless I'm playing basketball or something. But once I'm in my everyday life, I'm not like, I'm a non-confrontational person. I don't really like getting to, uh, I, I've never been in like a fist fight or anything like that. Like the closest I've ever been in a fist yeah, fight was actually, yeah last year in hawaii actually i like i was doing i was shooting and this dude was about to fight me i was like dude like you're probably like 15 to 18 years older than me you're like pretty much mm-hmm. you're like overweight like you don't look like you're in shape like i don't think you want to really be fighting me right now but if you really want to get down like we can yeah. hit him in the but, throat uh, that, like that, that, yeah exactly <laughs> no like it's it's uh, funny enough. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Everybody's Street, yeah. but uh, I love that yeah, Jill, yeah, Jill Friedman had like a quote in there. She's like, "Well, like is a really good weapon. Like you, you have it wrapped around your strip, your wrist. You could just like hit somebody, and like that thought crossed my mind. I'm like, yeah. I'm not about to get an assault charge with this dude. Anyways, that's a whole different thing. But <laughs> that actually, yeah, that actually, uh, that single event sparked a lot of like me getting out of my comfort zone because funny enough, I didn't even get close. All right, let me tell the whole story so you can understand what exactly happened. So I'm in Waikiki, I'm just shooting street. uh, Just like I normally would be. And I saw this woman and she was like directly outside the store and, and she had like one of those big sun hats on or like, and I'm like, okay, like that's cool. Like, you know, it's probably, it's kind of cliche, maybe for Waikiki, but I want to get this photo anyway. And I, was, I saw her like sitting directly outside the doorway. I was like, well, with her framed in the door, it might make a good photo. So I'm walking, I like set up like all like my camera to get exactly what I needed. And then like, so i walk by, I put the camera to my the viewfinder to my eye and I, I snapped the photo. And as soon as I snapped the photo and I was looking through it to the viewfinder, I knew it wasn't gonna be a good photo. Well, I don't think it's a good photo. Maybe I'll share one day, but probably not, just mm-hmm. because it, it brings back bad memories. But yeah. she had like a like a blanket or like a yoga mat or something, and it was blocking the side of her face that I took the photo of, and I was like, Well that defeats the whole purpose of the photo. Like I wanted her in the door frame and for you to be able to see her. And so I like walked by, I just walked and I was like, okay, well that, that sucks, but it is what it is. And I'll say sudden here, Hey, did you just take a picture of my wife? And I was like, Oh shit. Like, (laughs) here we go. Like, this is like, I, I, at that point I had never had anybody like confront me on the street or anything like that. So I was like, Oh man, like, this is like my moment. Cause they, I, you know, you hear about like Winogrand getting in the fist fights with people and like a lot of the, you know, more known, like famous T- street <laughs> photographers getting in. The, yeah. You know, getting the straight fights with people. I'm like, is this going to be my like Winogrand moment? Is this my Gilded moment where I'm getting in a fight with people? Like, is this, you know, uh, so the guy like runs up on me. He's like, give me your film. And I like, first I was like, Oh, I can't believe he knows I'm shooting film, but uh, also like, no, like I'm not gonna give you my film, dude. And he's like, uh, he's like, you just took a picture me. of my wife. Is that? A and right I'm like, thing? yeah. <laughs> and so I was just like, you know, like I'm not giving you my film. And then he like pushes me and it's like the lightest shove. Like I'm like, dude, like you are you? Is this really what's about to happen right now? Like, are you really trying to fight me? And then his wife like walked up and she's like, yo, you gotta chill. Like the cops are are here because this is Waikiki. It's like the most populous place in all of Oahu yeah. there's gonna there's like a police station right on the strip and so like a cop like rolls up and I'm like okay well I know I'm good because I'm protected by the first amendment yeah. like this is the United States like I can take photos in public places like I'm protected by it and so he's just like yelling and he's just like oh I'm gonna fuck you up like and all sorts of stuff and I'm like dude like you're really this riled up right now like I can't believe that this is like really pissing you off or maybe it's like you're it's one of those moments where like the dog is on a leash and he seems to have like a lot more bark than actual bite because the cop was there now. And so the cop like came up to me and was like, yo, so like what happened? And he could tell like my, I was a really calm demeanor. I wasn't like tripping or anything. I'm like, dude, like I'm just out here taking photos. Like I'm protected by the first amendment. I can take photos in public places. That's all I'm doing. Like I'm a street photographer and he's like, yeah, like, okay. And then he goes up to the other guy, and the guy's like yelling and he's making up all sorts of stories about how I pushed him and like all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Like, really? Like, just you don't even have to say anything in the first place. But yeah. he's just wilding out at that point. And uh, then like all sorts of other cops came. Uh, and like this one cop was just a straight dick. He like came up to me and he's like, oh, you like taking pictures of people in public? Huh? And I'm like yeah I do And then he like, like what if I took a picture of you And I was like oh I wouldn't care And then he like pulls out his phone And he like holds it up to like my face basically And starts taking like He took probably like 50 photos at least on his camera Like on his phone of me And I'm just like is this necessary Like yes. do you not know why Like like this is why people don't like cops is Because like you yeah. just harass people For like no reason you know uh, But all, right. all that To tie back to the fact that that is what sparked me getting out of my comfort zone is like, I realized like, I, I'm not going to try to be sneaky per se. Like there are moments where I shoot from the hip and things like that. But for those moments that I really want, like the person may, like if they acknowledge me and they say something, like I won't say the photo, but I'm going to just get as close as I can. And I'm going to take the photo and like, I'm going to just be in and out. And like, they may acknowledge me. They may not. And some people might not think like that's true street photography or something. Cause I'm not, it's not as candid or something like that, but I'm out in the street. Like I didn't ask these people for their permission to take the photo. Like I'm, I'm really just, I'm making photos for myself at the end of the day. So that yeah. single event sparked this whole thing in my head that yeah. just, just take the photo, get close. And if they say something, you know, then, you know, I'm going to back
0: off. And if they're not, then, just move on with my day. Jab him in the throat with tramp six. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's just fixated in my in my mind to do that. That's gonna
1: be a new soundbite
0: on the show. Yeah, I I still got some more squares that I need to record. Uh, I I I got some ideas, but no. Uh, yeah, it's completely unnecessary. And Greg, I'm coming for you. I got a lot of questions for you now since you you stay out there in Hawaii. I, I need to know like why why these Hawaiians are like that. So. No, uh, it's all jokes. It's all good. It's all uh people that they get confrontational. I don't know. I, I'm sorry to hear that happened to you and you got pushed. Um, but we you are right. You're protected by um amendments and all that other stuff that we have for the beautiful country. Um so yeah, you were good. You didn't do nothing wrong. I do wanna say if you need some inspiration, like Bruce Gildon is not the only person out there doing it. I have a really great friend of mine. Uh, I love saying his name. I love hearing him talk. He's very poetic. He's got a tons of of just, like, photography experiences, and he's amazing. He's just an amazing person. Don Stevie. So if you look him up on my Instagram, and you should start following him, he is very Bruce Gilden-ish. And what I mean by that is... Okay. Flash in your face, up close and personal. Yeah, his... If you see if you see one of his photos, and then they just you could see it, and you'll know he took it. It's very it's it's his style. It's very um, more I would say modern Bruce Gilden, uh, just because you know that's how Bruce Gilden made name for himself. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know too much about Bruce Gilden. Uh, I didn't get. I didn't really like. I'm not saying he's a horrible photographer, but that part of photography just it wasn't for me. Uh, I do do do. I will say his book Cherry Blossom is amazing. I love that body of work. And I do like the photo you talked about with the Yakuza light and the other cigarette. But that opening photo, the very first photo when you open that book, that one did. I was like, oh shit, like that one hit hard. Like <laughs> that is Japan all in, in one. And yeah, it is, it is a really good body of work. He did a really good job on that. So, uh, anyone that's looking for a photo book to get, Cherry Blossom by Bruce Gilton, really good which uh read just reading through it I read the whole book I looked at all the photos it's his last it's his closing chapter of his Japan photo so um sad but it's amazing so to go look that yeah so Don Stevie and cherry Blossom by Bruce Gildon um I'll I'll add some links in in the description um but I want to know after this very traumatic experience. What do you like most about being a street photographer?
1: Honestly, I think it's just like, a, it's like the rush that you get almost of, of getting a really good photo. Like once you, sometimes you know it can be in the moment once you know like, oh, I, I got something good. And sometimes it's, for me, it's like once I, after I developed the film and I scan it and I see it and I'm like, Oh damn, like I didn't even know that that was what it was going to come out to be. Or I don't even remember taking that photo and just like that rush of getting like a really good photo is like what I like most about being like a street photographer. Like I would say that first and foremost, but then also the fact that being a street photographer, it gets me out of the house like way more than if I was, like especially if I wasn't a photographer at all, but I think if I was like a landscape photographer uh, or like a still life photographer, I don't know if I would be out as often as I am Um, because you know, you, I'm not going to say you run out of things to take photos of, but you're almost like you're, you're more limited into what you can take photos of. But with street photography, your goal is always to take candid photography, photos of, of people on the street and so there's always going to be an abundance of people walking around at least until the metaverse takes over everybody's lives but oh, they until then
0: they lost yeah, <laughs> until, yeah
1: until then you know there's always going to be an abundance of people out in the street so like uh you know, I, I've been able to like witness a lot of crazy stuff that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise if I wasn't out just shooting photos on the street, you know? Uh, I think that's like one of the other highlights of being a street photographer is just witnessing real life, witnessing everyday life, like being able to even connect with people out on the street, whether it's like another photographer or, you know, there's occasions where people are like, Oh, can you take my photo? And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, and then you, you happen to become friends with the people. Like it just, it forces me to be outside more so than I would otherwise. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for like the community that is, especially in the Bay area and especially in Oahu, all the the other street photographers that I've met, everybody's like so kind, like everybody, it's like not a competition per se. Like everybody wants to help. I mean, I connected with you through IG, you know, like street photography is it's like one of those uh, universal, like languages, almost where like you could connect with other street photographers from all over the place, and it's like you you get to witness what real life is, where they're based. So, yeah, I mean that's that's why what I like about being a street photographer.
0: Yeah, beautiful. I like I like everything you said, and I, and I feel the same way. So, it's a rush. It is a rush, and unlimited possibilities. Uh, which was something yeah. uh, another guest of mine's earlier in, in when I was recording. It's actually uh, a European, um, I, not Holland Dutch, close to Amsterdam. Yeah, Netherlands. Okay, Netherlands. I was trying because they have so many names for the country. Trying to think of which one. He's a he's a, yeah. yeah he's he's amazing. He's a really good guy. is also, um, but what is something you feel? All photographers should know. I think...
1: So, I, I thought about this one a lot, but I remember I watched, coincidentally, a, a Bruce Gilden video, YouTube video, like, a while ago, and he talked about, you don't know... You can't make a good photograph unless you know what a good photograph looks like. And so, I would say, like, everybody needs to... Understand what a good photograph looks like And so that means like taking the time to study Like the masters Like 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 a book Like The Decisive Moment or Like A Cherry Blossom or You know Elliot Erwitt Gary Winogrand uh, Susan Mizell uh, Martha Cooper you know There's just like a whole list of like People that have come before all of us Yeah that have created amazing work. And so like in order to have a high standard of your own work, you to understand like what work has come before you and, uh, be able to like try to, you know, especially if you're starting off almost emulated and then until you come up with your own style. And so like being able to pick and choose from different photographers and like take different elements of what they do to create what your own work looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's huge. So yeah, just studying, studying the greats and understanding what a good photograph is. Something that I I think everybody needs to do and everybody should do no matter. And that's, that's not just street photography. That's any genre of photography. I'm sure there's like amazing land. Like Ansel Adams is a great landscape photographer, great in the dark room. Like if you're into landscape, that's somebody you should look into or, if i there's fashion photographers that are more amazing than others, like you should look into like what they did. So I think in all spectrums of photography, you should like look into those that have come before you and like what they contributed and like take something that you can learn from them, whether you like it or you don't like certain things about their work, you can always learn something from their work. So that's my biggest thing.
0: Yeah. Nice. So of all the people I spoke to, you're the first one who said that study the greats. That is that is very, it is very uh, essential. Everyone should be studying the grades. So definitely. Thank you for sharing. Um, couldn't agree more. Um, so where would you like to be with your photography? Um, one week, one month, one year, 10 years. The time is just an example, but essentially the future. Where would you like to be in the future with your photography?
1: Yeah, I mean... I want, I would like to have, I want to have my own photo book one day. Like I, I've self published zines and, and stuff like that. And like, I'm going to self publish like a, a, a little book this year. That's the plan. But as far as like street photography, like I would like to, to pub, have like a published book one day. Um, I'm not sure when that will be, whether that's like 10 years from now or five years from now. I want to continue to, to build my body of work mm-hmm. um, to have something really to show. But uh, that is one thing that's like one of my biggest goals is to like have a published street photography book. Um, and then from there, you know, I would like to be, I would like to have a gallery show at some point, like whether it's something small, something big, that's not like the biggest thing for me. It's just like I want to be able to have my, my photos living on a wall like not just on somebody's cell phone, not just on somebody's screen. Like I want it to like be on a wall for people to come in and be able to look at my work and, uh, you know, stare at it for a few minutes, like try to understand like where I was and like what I was doing to to make those photos. And then, you know, hopefully sell some of that work and for it to live on people's walls, whether it's, you know, friends of mine or strangers or, or whomever, like for it to be framed and for people to have it in their own homes, like that's, that's probably the greatest honor to me is like I'm big on art and like, I have all sorts of art all over my house. So like I've almost had to become selective with the things that I put up. And like my girlfriend is the same way. She loves art too. And so for people to put my art on their walls is, you know, it's an honor. So like that would be another goal of mine is to be able to sell prints and have people put my artwork up on their walls somewhere in their house. Even if it's a funny photo and they're just staring at it on while they're taking a dump on the toilet. It's still, uh, you know, it's still living in their house, you know? So like, even that would be an honor.
0: Yeah. I guess you're right. There's the positive side to that. It's still enough. It's still hanging. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd have to stare you. at it every day. Yeah. They, they do see it like, well, yeah, that's some really good art. You know, the best ideas come from when you sit on a toilet. I'm sorry. Some of my best ideas. Most of the great things I've done with this podcast have all come from sitting on a toilet. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Let's get away from toilets now. Um, So you mentioned zines. How can the listeners find these zines? Can they purchase them? Website, eBay, Amazon Marketplace, anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, right now all, I'm pretty much sold out of like all my zines. Uh, those are, I haven't really, yeah, I haven't published anything. Nah. Yeah. I haven't published. I have like a series of zines called toll fees, which, uh, it's just like, it's the name is, is based on the fact that you have to pay tolls once you cross the bridges in the Bay area to get back to San Francisco. And like how, I mean, before the pandemic there, there was like, a million people in and out of the city at any given point um and so for me like like i said earlier in the podcast i'm big on camping so i'd go out camping and most of the time we'd go up north like to the sonoma coast or the mendocino coast and uh we'd always have to cross the golden gate bridge to get back and pay those toll fees so like that whole series is based on like road tripping and camping and so I haven't actually released one of those in like four years, but I'm planning to release one this year. And that's like the book I was kind of referencing, uh, now that I have like four years worth of, of camping and road tripping photos, not necessarily just street photography, Mm -hmm. some street photography related things, but a lot of it is, I guess, more so documentary style photography of just being out in nature with friends, uh, in beautiful places, things like that. Um, so that's, that's one of those. Uh, so just keep a lookout. That's going to come out this year for anybody listening. And then, uh, yeah, nothing on eBay. I don't think I've never looked up my name, I, but, uh, so that's, that's it. But yeah, soon enough, there'll be another book. And then as far as street photography book, I'm not really sure when that will happen, but you know, it will happen one day. I promise
0: that. Yeah. So do you use a service whenever you build these zines? Um, so I mean, I've used a couple
1: different services. Uh, I mean, I've just used Adobe InDesign to like do the layouts and things like that. And then I've gone through local printers for two of them. One was like somewhat of a bigger one. And then one of them is uh, a company called Nighted Life, which it's yeah, on Instagram is just Nighted Life, N I G H T E D L I F E. He's a local guy based in the East Bay. He actually, does a lot of publications for different artists like throughout the country. It's yeah. his stuff is it's not just street photography, but it's uh it's more gritty and it's it's a little grimier some of the, the things that he puts out. But I really like the the publications that they have and he also will print zines for people and things like that. So I used him and then I did one uh zine last year or no two years ago, which was called Mother's Land. Uh actually uh, this, this is it. I know we're not recording, but I'm just showing you yeah, what it is. So basically, uh, I, so I'm half Portuguese and my mother is, uh, was born in Portugal. She's from the Azor islands, which, um, I can guarantee most of the listeners have never heard of before, but yeah. it's a group of volcanic islands off the, well, well off the coast of Portugal. And so my mom's from a very small Island called Pico. Which is uh, also has the tallest point in all of Portugal. Uh, her town that she was born in had like once it's the off season, so anytime it's not summer, has less than two hundred people in it. So this is like how small it is. Yeah. Um, and so in two thousand nineteen, I went back there for my second time, and I was there for like two and a half weeks, and I just shot a bunch of film, and I made this a zine, and uh, I put it out once. Uh, basically anybody who donated towards any sort of organization or nonprofit or charity around the black lives matter movement. Mm-hmm. And they showed me that they donated it. I, I gave them a zine. So that one was just like, Hey, like you did something good. Like, let me give you some art. That yeah. was pretty much what it, that one was about.
0: Cool. Cool. There you go. Um, so if you got any questions toward the listeners and, and you want to know where he got those printed, he just named them. And I will also add those in the show notes. Or, cause yeah, like I said, I got listeners from everywhere. I see the the analytics and I've seen them from countries I didn't even know existed. And that's not me just being, you know, ignorant. Um, I just honestly never heard of some of the countries. So but I guess yeah. I get, I'm getting there. So um, if you can go anywhere in the world, anywhere, big picture, to shoot, where would it be? Man, that's a
1: tough question. Um, Cause I want to go back to Japan like so bad. Like that's like one of my, I'd say top five places I want to go back and shoot. Like once I went the first time, my I my eye just definitely was not there. And like also, uh, I was doing a lot more touristy things. And like if I could go and like dedicate like a few days to just shooting, oh man, it would. I'd be like a kid in a candy store for sure. Uh, not that I'm saying like shooting Japan is easy. Like I've definitely, I've, I've heard and I've watched plenty of YouTube videos where people talk about how people in Japan, like have less emotion in public. So like that might be more difficult, but I just like something about Japan. It just like, it's such a great country. Like there's so many like interesting things going on at all times. So love to go back to Japan. Uh, I'd love to go back to Berlin. Um, but I want to name a place I've never been before that, that I've seen photos of that I think would be interesting. And i would really, I think I'd really like to go to one Vietnam for like the city life because I've seen photos and it it just looks crazy out there. Not crazy in a bad way. I'm not trying to disrespect Vietnam or any Vietnamese people. I have a lot of Vietnamese friends and and, uh, things like that, but it just like, It's just way different from the United States You know and so like Vietnam just like It's pretty fascinating to me As far as like what goes on Especially in the major cities like Saigon And Hanoi so like I would Love to go out to Vietnam and then Like unrelated to street photography I really Want to go to Mongolia and like I want to go to like the, the Golden Eagle like Hunting contest I don't like I early on In the pandemic I just started to like thinking about eagle hunting or like people that like hunt with eagles. And like those videos came up on my YouTube feed and I was like, yo, like this looks wild. Like this is something that like still goes on. Like, and like, I really want to go and I want to make photos of that. Like, And it happens, like, once a year, like, between the different tribes and stuff. And I'm like, dude, this would be crazy. Like, it's not street-related, street photography-related at all. Like, but it's still, like, that's one of those things that I want to do and, like, one of those places I want to go. Before I die, I have to, I got to go witness this in person.
0: There you go, 10-year plan. So you actually hit my number one place that I want to go take street photography is actually Vietnam. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say funny, but it's a weird place that, now, a lot of times when we speak, we we have to clarify ourselves so we don't offend the, the listeners and whoever who is who's around us. Because I say it, too, because, you know, some people are sensitive. Uh, it's uh, sorry. That's just a side topic. Uh, it's, it's weird. Like, we have to apologize for for saying, like, oh, I want to go here because of this. And like, no, 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 don't take it the wrong way. Just a uh, side tangent. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I do. I would love to to check this eagle hunting out cuz I, when i was in england i seen a a show where they have like the birds that, that hunt for the people and it wasn't like a massive field it was just kind of like a little demonstration on how they trained the birds and yo those birds they're good they're they're nice yeah. and they're fast and they'll be gone and when i say gone like like where's the bird and then they come back so That's awesome. That would be a great experience. Cool. So say one of your friends was never a photographer, seen your photo. Now he wants to be a photographer, comes up to you, and he says, hey, uh, what's some advice you could give me? What advice would you give your friend who now wants to be a serious photographer?
1: Go out and shoot like – just shoot as much as you can and study the grades. Like those, that's the top two things I could tell anybody who's starting off in photography is go out and and make as many photos as you can. I mean, we talked about this earlier, like especially with film photography, but um, I mean, your first, your first 10,000 photos are your worst. And like, I can definitely attest to that. Like, I used to think some of my older photos were like really good. And now I look back on them and I'm like, Oh, this, they were straight trash. And so like, I feel like now that I'm, I'm getting after it a lot more often, like I'm out in the streets, you know, as much as I can, like, I feel like my photos are, are progressing at, a, at a, a rate that I want them to. Mm-hmm. And so I I would just tell anybody that same advice is like, you need to just, you need to go and make work. Like you can't just sit on your ass and stay at home and like be on Instagram. Like you have to go out and make photos, especially the type of photos that you want. And especially once it comes to street photography, because this is one of the hardest genres of photography that you can do. There's so many elements that are out of your control that you have to be able to read people and understand situations and read your environment. Um, And what I mean by that is just being able to predict things that are going to happen before they actually happen. So if you see somebody walking with flowers, you guys see that image in your head, like, how do I want, where do I want the flowers to be in the picture? Like, do I want them to be covering this person's face? Uh, Do I want them to be holding it in their hand? Are they holding somebody else's hand at the same time? Like, how do I want to make this photo and like be able to to picture that in your head before you actually make the photo is something that comes with a lot of time and effort and practice. So just going out and and practicing is like the biggest thing. And then, like I said earlier, like studying the grades, understanding what makes a good photograph, how you can apply that to your own photography Uh, will make a huge difference i think for anybody even like no matter what level of photography you're at i think you should be looking at photo books and and things like that i'm a big advocate for photo books so um i think everybody should invest in them i think you should find photographers that you like i think you should look at photo photographers that you may not like but try to understand why other people like it um things like that so those those would be my biggest pieces of advice to people
0: what's your favorite photo book now that you would recommend so all right you can only pick one cuz there's so many good ones I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna give you a hard time now Dang. And, oh and you, and you can't use right. the decisive moment cuz that should be everybody Nah, time. yeah nah all right okay here okay there we go i'm asking uh, the hard questions everybody i would say sorry that's for my joke not you <laughs> i promise my
1: uh My favorite photo book that I own right now and the one that I've been going back to a lot and looking at a lot recently is, uh, Alex Webb's, uh, La Calle, which was, uh, somewhat, I think that came out like in 2017 or something like that, but it was before I was well aware of his work. Um, and that is a book of work on all his trips to Mexico uh just documenting not I mean he has a book on documenting just the border between the United States and Mexico, which I want to buy eventually, but it's a little out of my like I have so many other photo books that I'm like it doesn't really make sense. Anyways, that's a side tangent but this book, La Calle is his trips throughout all of Mexico. So not just the border of the United States and Mexico, but like the southern part of Mexico, like and everywhere in between. Uh, There's just so many beautiful photographs in there. It's, it's a, it's mainly color photos, but he does have some of his early black and white work in there as well. Um, Just like the layers in his photographs are just, I don't know. It's just beautiful to look at. It's like next level. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's very different. Like one of my other, favorite photographers is Winogrand. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I have mentioned them probably like five times on this podcast already, but Winogrand is like more blunt. He's more like in your face. He's very straightforward with his photos as opposed to Alex Webb, who he, he is out in the streets, but it's different in the fact that he adds different elements like on top of each other or he'll play around with color in ways that like i never imagined where like there's photos, like there's a famous, there's a photo of like this boy who's spinning like a soccer ball or a basketball on his finger. And for whatever reason he's wearing blue. And then the boy behind him is wearing blue. And then the building in the distance is also blue. And just like, I'm just like trying to wrap my head around like how he's possibly in these moments where like all these colors just happen to match and like you have these interesting things going on all at the same time. So that's something that I've been like going back to a lot. Is just like La Caille, Alex Webb. If you can pick up a copy, highly recommend it, especially for color photographers. Um, I highly recommend it because the colors are beautiful. They were shot on I mostly. I want to, I don't think it was Kodachrome, but it was another expired, uh, well, not expired, but old film stock that Kodak used to make. And yeah. so before Alex Webb went to digital, so like the colors are like really vibrant. Um, yeah, I highly suggest that book. That's my, that would be my number one. That's my answer. Final answer. <laughs> desert Island book,
0: all that. That's the one. I got it. I like the term desert Island book. <laughs> I'm going to start using it there. <laughs> You coined it. I'm going to use it. Um, okay. So now is the part of the podcast where I would like for you to highlight, recognize any up and coming photographers, musicians, artists, anyone you like. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I'm going to definitely have to highlight all like my, my friends that I shoot with regularly. There's, I think the Bay area has a lot of good artists in general. Um, I'm 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 just gonna name specifically like Leica shooters since this is like like the podcast. Okay. Uh but my one of my best friends Tofe, he's uh he shoots with the M6, he's great. Uh him and I we exchange like photos all the time, uh just to like see what we're up to and like to try to push each other to get better and we go shooting all the time and stuff like that. Uh, I'd also have to say like one of my other buddies who I, I talk to like every day is uh, Justin Pham. Uh, he's also from the Bay Area he's, and he also shoots at M6. Um, he's a, you know, really good street photographer as well. Uh, there, there I'd say there's Chuck who is also street. He's actually a San Francisco native. So his perspective on shooting San Francisco is different from all, a lot of the rest of us. Like I'm from the Bay Area, but I'm not from San Francisco. So I don't have that uh, uh, recognition of like growing up here and like being a part, like being from the soil itself, like, and uh, having seen the city change like my entire life, Mm -hmm. not like he has. Uh, He's so like, he's also somebody I would recommend. Uh, There's Carlo who actually works at the Leica store in San Francisco. He, he's a great street photographer, but he also shoots like uh, some fashion stuff and he shoots like skateboarding and stuff like that too. Um, there's probably like a, a bunch of other people I can name, but like those, I would start off with all those guys. They're all great. Leica shooters in the Bay area specifically, um, that I want to highlight and give shout outs to.
0: Cool. Uh, so I saw, I'll get with you after and I'll, I'll get their social media accounts. And I also put those in, in the show notes. So, uh, thank you for that. And everybody go check those people out. And then now is the final question, which I always ask at the end of all of my conversations. Um, What does street photography mean to you? Thank you, Kirk Clark.
1: Yeah. um, Street photography to me just means, it it means so much to me that it's, that it's like kind of hard to put into words because I, I just love, I love the genre so much. Like I love being out in the streets so much and like being amongst people and like seeing everyday life and how it unfolds, like no matter where I am and uh, being able to capture like those moments that can never be replicated again. uh, It just, it means the world to me and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be as obsessive about street photography if I didn't care and I didn't love it. So like it's brought me like so much joy It's brought me pain too Don't get me wrong Like there's A lot of frustrating moments But You know It's brought me a lot more joy Than anything else And it's brought me a lot of community as well Like I've I've gotten to meet people from Like not only in my local community In San Francisco Bay Area But I've met people on Oahu Like all those shooters And then You know I've connected with people online Throughout the world Through street photography And just like our common love of it So It just it means like a lot more than it's given me a lot more than than I think I could give to it, and I hope that I can just one day like leave a mark on the genre that that that, the impression that it has left on me uh, during my lifetime.
0: Cool, definitely. I think anyone who's really serious about street photography, it does leave an impression on you. So I I definitely understand what you've it, it left an impression on me. The first time I've I learned about it and yeah, I'm sure all the listeners feel the same. So, like I said, that is the last question I always ask. But now I give you the opportunity to ask me some questions. So if you have some, feel free to ask and I will answer the best I can. Yeah.
1: um, One of the questions I was curious that I wanted to ask you was I noticed that you you well you share a lot of black and white photography like mm-hmm. primarily that's like your entire feed and i was wondering like well one do you shoot color at all and then two what is it about black and white photography that you like so much
0: oh that's a, a great question so uh, it's a two-parter digital i only shoot color of my daughter uh, and that's because you know the family wants to see color photos of your daughter but i actually shoot the most photos of her in black and white. But if I shoot digital of her in color, that's the only time I will use color is when I shoot pictures of my daughter. Now, that's on digital. So if ever I take a photo of whatever it is that I'm shooting that's not my daughter, it's always going to be black and white 100% of the time. Uh, And then when it comes to film, I kind of shoot, 70-30. So 70% black and white film, 30% color. And it's just because color films are just so beautiful. I'm not going to lie. There's just something about color films that is really rich and inspiring to look at. Kind of like that one photo. Uh, And and the reason why I say that is because sometimes you need to see something in color to actually understand the story, right? Now, that being said, I'm still drawn to black and white photography, I just love black and white photography, something that I grew into um, later in my photography journey. Because uh, I used to start off, I started off shooting color. And then I just kind of gradually faded into black and white. And now that's all I'm interested in. Uh, but yeah, those are the only two instances where I will shoot color. Okay.
2: Yep.
1: And uh, what,
0: what do you... What are you aiming to say with your work? My work? Ooh, so <laughs> I just I, I've this is something I've actually been thinking about recently, right? Cause I'm trying to I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying to be the best version of myself, right? So my goal with my work is to create and connect photographers from now until forever. That term, that little line is, is copyrighted, so don't even, don't even think about using it if you hear it. It's mine. I promise you. It's, it's all. But, yeah, like I want to be part of history, right? And history is forever. Essentially, everyone in the world is a part of history, right? If you're living, you're a part of history. But who knows your story, right? So that's what, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create stories for forever, that's my goal. Okay. Yeah. Not that's deep. I respect that. I told you I'm a great writer. A lot of people don't know that. It's hidden. It's in there. So, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I, I don't curious. mind. I, I, I can talk, answer your questions all day. Oh, I will say... I'm actually curious. Oh, I'm sorry. go ahead. Uh, I will say you were right. Shooting... People in Japan is a little more challenging, just because they're not as uh, lively as other countries. And what I mean by that is they're they're very um, conservative when they're outside. So you will find those moments, but they're 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 really difficult to, to find. But yeah, you just have to look hard, and you have to be in the right place at the right time. But sorry, didn't mean to. Yeah, it. for sure. You can ask your the, the next question you were about to.
1: Uh, I actually, i I was, I am curious. Uh, so do you shoot with a digital Leica and a film? Oh, I know you have an M6, so you shoot with a, a film Leica, but do you have a digital Leica as well? And I what do. camera is it? I do.
0: Uh, are you asking me all the Leicas I own or just what I typically shoot? Okay. Just what I typically shoot.
1: All right. Well, yeah. What, well, all right. So what are your go-to cameras? And okay. then I guess, yeah, what other What other likes do you have, then?
0: Okay. So I'm a camera collector for anyone out there. And you have to understand that I just love buying cameras, right? Uh, So I don't buy cameras because of like, oh, this is going to be the newest, best technology and it's going to make me the best. No, that's not my intent. I honestly, I just love buying cameras and collecting them. Um, So I do my go-to cameras. I'll answer that part first is the M10 monochrome. I've been pronouncing it monochrome because there's no E at the end. And I like to say words how they're spelled. And I've realized just recently that it's actually pronounced monochrome. So I've been shooting. uh, My go-to digital is the M10 monochrome until the M10, M11 monochrome comes out. You heard it first. Leica will do it sometime, maybe eight years from now, but it will come out and that'll be my next camera. Um, But yeah, so the M10 mono and my MP, my Leica MP for film are my go-to's. Uh, but now, oh, wow. Okay, uh, all the Leicas I do own is the first one was an M3, and I still have it. Uh, the second one was an M6, and I still have it. The third was an uh, M10P, and I still have it. Um, then Leica Minilux Zoom, and the M10 Mono. Yeah, so those are all the Leicas I have. I do use them all, um, but my go-tos are the mono and MP.
1: Actually, uh, I actually have a one Leica that you don't have. I'm, <laughs> I'm only bragging about it because it's actually kind of funny. It's uh, the Leica, the Instax yes. join right here, the Leica so far. You yeah, should never
0: sell that, actually. The- <laughs> it's funny you, you pulled it because I saw it and I was like, eh, I'm not really big on instant films. And they're actually fun to shoot. And I've been looking for that camera, but they're they're so hard to find. And the ones that you will find are like cost more than an M6 now. So yeah, they're ridiculous. Keep it. It's gold. and if you could, I would recommend you if you could find some way of loading Natura in that little <laughs> that, that camera body. So no, don't do that. Take your time, shoot it right. You you won't be you you'll be like yeah. amazed. Have you shot uh, Fujifilm Pro 400H?
1: I have, but only like less than a handful of times. And like, mm-hmm. I, I'm i kind of like you, how you talked about shooting different film stocks earlier and you kind of just like casually shot it over a weekend. Yeah. Like that's kind of how I, like the, the couple rolls of 400H that I did have, I didn't necessarily respect the film the way I should have. And like, I just like yeah. casually threw it in like really like like a a point and shoot like i i put in like my xa2 and i think i put in like one other point and shoot and then like i never shot it again and then i was like i kind of regret like not saving this or like putting it in a nicer camera or just like using it wiser but i mean that kind of comes with age too like Mm -hmm. now like once once i had the i mean yeah exactly like like i said once i had the the, this one, the, the VC, the portrait 400 VC, I was like, all right. Like I learned my lesson Once I messed up, like not shooting the Fuji pro 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 400 H, like yeah. in a smarter manner. Like with this film, I'm going to like baby it. Like I'm going to shoot it on days where I know there's going to be a lot of action or it's going to be colorful. And like, I was very selective once I did bust up those three rolls, Cause I knew once I shot them, it was just going to be gone. So yeah. I, that's uh i've been trying to be a lot smarter once it comes to those film stocks that that don't no longer exist yeah i like how you said yeah
0: this conversation is just the the things you said like respect the film style i like that <laughs> i'm gonna have to get with you <laughs> get the rights for that uh that is amazing like respect the film you you absolutely have to and i would say uh it's unfortunate that you you didn't have that enough um A good time to shoot for 400H I'm not saying you can't find it It's going to be close to impossible I said close to It's not impossible Um, Funny story is Once they announced that it was discontinued Everybody started scalping the prices Right? It's really hard And if you can find the role Then you're lucky Um, But again, funny story I was talking to a local camera shop guy I talk to I love camera shops and I'm always in there and I talk to whoever I can, and I was asking I was like, hey, do you got any Pro 408? He he's like, I ordered the last five that our company could right. So I would go back every day and I was waiting for those five rolls to show up. As soon as they did, I bought off five of them. So I got a like I think two two rolls left because I've, I've been that's that's a film you do have to respect it. And it took me a while again like I wasn't really. Um, where I where I'm at now when I was shooting film. And once you learn how to expose it properly, it's like any film. It's 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 beautiful, it's gorgeous. And it I it it's a, a tough battle in comparison to any portrait at, at any line. So um, Fujifilm, if you're listening, bring Pro Four Hundred H back.
1: Yes, please, Fuji, stop discontinuing film stocks and bring them back. I know you're focused on digital, but yeah. there's still film shooters that
0: love you. So come on, help us out here. Yeah, they're, they're they still do the superiors, but. but yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're not the same as like dedicated. Yeah, I mean, I, like my understanding is a lot of the
1: superiors like those those uh chemical like balances or like the chemistry for it is pretty much like a Kodak color plus for the 200 and like a Kodak ultra max for the 400. Like you're going to get like pretty similar results at this point Mm -hmm. with those film stocks. Not that we're going to start getting the nitty gritty of all that, but that's just my understanding of it, which is kind of unfortunate because like a lot of people that love Fuji, like they love Fuji for shooting Fuji. Like they don't want to shoot Kodak back. Like they want to shoot Fuji, you know, but times. like, I that's the times that we live in, like especially for film shooters. Like I think people are coming to a crossroads now where it's like, it will be interesting to see over the next two to five years, how many people switch to digital and how many, like how cheap film cameras will get because everyone will be switching to digital. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I'm just thinking out loud that, you know, like how we talked about earlier, the Leica M6, you know the prices skyrocketing. Yeah, it's gonna hit a point where the bubble is gonna burst, and like film is just gonna be doesn't it won't make sense to shoot film, and those prices are gonna drop back down to prices that were maybe like five or six years ago, where you could probably get it for yeah.
0: like a closer to a thousand dollars. You know, we'll yeah. see, we'll see what happens. But I'm waiting for that day. Again. I, I said the same thing. Like film is yeah. just get too expensive. Where film shooters, are am like, uh, or. Um, hobby film shooters i should say or hipsters uh they're gonna like i don't want to spend twenty dollars a frame on a roll of film because a, a box of five portrait a, a box yeah a box of five is like 92 dollars now and when i first started shooting it it was like yeah, 45 it's so it's quite a, a a big jump but i think what's going to happen is there's going to be a a meeting or there's going to be a battle where because of all the chip chip shortages no one's gonna be able to find SD cards, and then the cost of film is gonna be so high. No one wants to shoot film, and then where do you, where where are we left with digital photography? Right, iPhones. So the iPhone's gonna be the new <laughs> go-to camera because you can't find an SD card. So if your SD card that you have now and it works, and you better hold on to it because there's gonna be a point. We're getting there. No more man. chips.
1: Oh man. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Just make the most of your work now. Yep. Enjoy the work that you make and just, uh, just push yourself to get better every day. That's all you can do. And then we'll, once we come to that crossroads of chip shortages and film prices <laughs> being too high, we'll, we'll cross that road then. But for now, everybody just make the work that you love and enjoy enjoy the life that you live
0: and we'll have to pick a side <laughs> cool cool well all right uh do you have any more questions i i don't mind answering them
1: no nah, I, I actually uh i probably should hop off because one of like one of my buddies just like i had mentioned it we're mm-hmm. actually doing like a little photo walk for his birthday and I'm, uh, I'm running a little bit late for that so oh. Oh, my, uh, thank you for having me on yeah, yeah, yeah. i did, No, no, you're good. Like I told, he knows that I'm doing this so Like, it's no, it's no worries, but, uh, I just like, like we had talked about always chasing daylight. I got to chase this daylight right now before the sun goes down in a few hours. So, um, I appreciate you having me on, man. I definitely want to connect with you in the future. I mean, I'm planning to be out in Japan. Well, if the country opens up, I want to be out in Japan within like the next year and a half at some point. So We'll have to connect. I don't want to just stay in Tokyo this next trip. I want to actually go out. I know you You live in like Osaka or Okinawa. you live somewhere on the, Okinawa. Yeah, like I want, to, I want to go out there. So I'll definitely have to connect with you. Uh, I'll let you know once I go out and we'll, we'll go out and shoot, man. But thank
0: you for having me on. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And most definitely hit me up. Let me know. Uh, I always am down for a photo walk. So I do appreciate it. Uh, But yeah, okay, everybody, have a great day. Uh, Enjoy taking photos and tell your friend happy birthday. Get some good shots. Go use that Natura 1600. Uh, (laughs) All right, everybody. Like a street photography collective.